You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcast. Welcome everyone to another edition of Let's Talk Trio on podcast. This episode was recorded May 26th and May 27th, so things may have changed by the time you listen to this. This episode is underwritten by the Southwest Association of Student Assistance Programs. The Southwest Association of Student Assistance Programs is a nonprofit regional association whose purpose is to advance and defend the ideal of educational opportunity for all TRIO eligible individuals. Learn more by going to their website, www.swasaptrio.org. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. I am very excited to bring you today's special guest. Mr. Roderick Chambers. He is the former director of the Eastern New Mexico University TRIO Upward Bound Program, and he was also coordinator for the Student Support Services Program at Eastern New Mexico University. Mr. Chambers brings years of experience in the educational field, and our conversation is going to be tailored around education and TRIO and moving forward, and what does that mean for the programs all across the country. With that in mind, I want you to know that uh, our conversation really is years in the making of what makes education attainable to students and what TRIO programs should be doing, could be doing, or moreover are doing to uh, continue promoting those practices. Um, so Roderick, I really, I'm really happy to have you on the show. We've worked together, uh, for six, uh, nearly six years, uh, for a long time. I'll just put it that way. And we've been, uh, with the trio upward bound program at Eastern New Mexico university. First of all, man, I missed having you. So since, since our, since ending our tenure at Eastern New Mexico university, I've missed working with you. Hey, yo, this is, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I know we had these conversations before on our drives to uh, Clovis and Te- Te- not Texarkana, Texaco and Dora and all the other little cities, man. It's been crazy to actually be on the other side of the conversations. All that to say that there's been no other working environment, man. And I, you know, I hate to make a a, a romanticized, the nostalgic past work out, man. But I'll say, at this juncture of my life, we created something extremely unique, special, and it was such a safe space to be us in a working environment, doing what we do, not knowing what we're doing. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> feel like uh, growth in our professional area and even in our personal areas, Rod, where uh, you helped me become much more, uh, I feel like I've grown as a friend uh, working with you and I've grown professionally working with you. And I think, uh, you know, after, after you've left and, and me working as a director uh, that I felt that that element was still missing from us. I, I felt it missing just 
I know that every iteration of directors and administrators that run the Upward Bound program, there's always a different element. And for me, it was, I miss the Rod Juan element. That was very special and I felt very unique. But I'm sure every Upward Bound director or every Upward Bound iteration, they always have that unique element where they're like, well, I, I miss this a duality or uh, whoever's running the program, whoever has the the influence uh, when they're when they're controlling that part of the aspect of the program. The bromance. I love that. That's what that's what it was called, right? I think a lot of our students were calling it the Juan Rod bromance. <laughs> Oh, sure. Sure. And see how our professional, professional relationship has inspired them and given them a different perspective on, you know, the rarity it is to be able to find people that you can work with and you can actually be yourself with um, mm -hmm. and that can still leave at the end of the day respecting you as a professional and respecting you as a friend. And, um, you know, again, man, I mean, we can go on and on and on. And I mean, it, it's authentic. And I think that's the part that I really appreciate about it. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a superior, subordinate kind of relationship. At least I didn't feel like that. And, and I know that there were moments where there were teachable moments to say, hey, you know, as a director, this may be something somewhat exclusive or this this experience may be somewhat exclusive in that you know you just see things a little differently as a coordinator and i think that we've had conversations as you became a director where you was like ron you didn't tell me and i was like yes No, no. It, it, I think those are very good points to bring up, especially, uh, especially with this whole theme of let's talk trio. It's really even for former staff to be able to talk about their own experiences and bring light to yeah, their challenges. Uh, every duo, every uh, group, organization has their own set of challenges when they're working with other staff members, and I really appreciated those moments, those teachable moments, as you called them where you were able to sit back and say, you know what, me playing the role of his director right now, I am uh, letting you know what I think our vision should be. And I remember, uh, and not to bring up anything from the past at all, but I think this was a, my teachable moment where, <laughs> right, where I was learning not to be so stubborn with new visions. It felt like I needed to continue growing in that area because uh, at times I felt, well, that's not how we used to do it. And when you when you would put forward and say, this is a new approach, it was a teachable moment for me. And I was like, I got to step back and let the director implement his vision. Wow, wow. Well, I'll, I'll say, man, I think the point I was wanting to drive home was that it, it the roles switched often. And I think as we both became more comfortable 
with allowing those roles to switch, irrespectful of the titles, director mm-hmm. and coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, it really was, I felt at times where you were the director and I was the coordinator. Mm. And I think the more comfortable that we became with each other about allowing it, about staying each other's lanes. I mean, yes, there were, there were things right. that I had to us director, but really started to appreciate each other's contributions in each other's lanes. It became just a working machine that just, it didn't matter if it was students, if it was staff, we became a unit in a way that we just, we just worked well together, man. And, yep. and like I said, I mean, I've, I've, I've had and have relationships where we work very closely, closely. We work good together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it definitely has not been, you know, it's, it's the compromise, the negotiation of right. one or the other. You know, more so than having the two of those uh, those coming together. So that's been, it's been neat, man. I've, I've learned to cherish that, those moments uh, more so now than even before then. And of course, to bring in the Anna element, you know, can't forget Anna. Anna, Anna oh, yeah, Maria. Anna Maria. Quick shout out to Anna Maria. Yeah, for real, man. That, you know, you guys really were a... It was a dream team for me, man. And, and you don't realize what, a, it, it, in hindsight, I don't think I realized what a dream team looked like for me because I didn't really know what to ask for, what I really mm. needed besides help. God dog, it. I'm, I'm coming into a learning <laughs> curve with up and down and learning all of its intricate pieces and learning mm-hmm. how to make this program come alive and do it in a way that I felt was comfortable for, for me as well as for the staff. And, um, out of that, you realize that you can do it by yourself one, Mm -hmm. but you know, if you had to, to choose the right people to work with you, you know, you guys just came almost like it, things, the universe just moved things in a way that, I couldn't ask for it, but if I had to ask for it and I was knowledgeable on what to ask for, you and Anna would have been, you would be perfect pick. You like the answers to my prayers. Roderick. Now you're trying to make people cry on the podcast. (laughs) Roderick, I I really appreciate you sharing kind of the, your, your uh, thought process on how the program develops and what, how you wanted to come alive. Um, can you tell the audience a little bit about what your vision was for the Tree Upward Bound program and how how have you been able to carry that vision after leaving? Wow. Well, let me be honest and say, you know, as often as you and I have had this conversation uh, throughout the years, you know, I, I didn't know what the vision was for the Upper Bound program. You know, coming that being my first executive position in running a program at 26, you know, got the job at 26, mm-hmm. um, just turned 27, or, you know, right at 26, it, it, you know, you, I was trying to wrap my head around what in the heck am I going to, what is this life? What is this? Right, what is this? Because... I, I knew I, I became comfortable and confident in being a coordinator. Mm-hmm. And what I found myself doing is that I naturally gravitated towards doing a coordinator's job. And it's still the reality still had not hit me that 
mm. not just a coordinator, you mm-hmm. have a coordinator. So I was still defining what that what what a director's position was, let alone trying to create a vision. Mm-hmm. I think out of the struggle and out of me finding myself as a director, me identifying what it was to manage, you know, staff um, as a director, mm-hmm. I began to develop some vision. And I think that I started with, well, what if I had to go back and be the mentor to the student, or if I wanted to create this dream mentor or create the kind of person that would be effective for me, what would that look like? Right. And I didn't necessarily have that language in that way, but just in hindsight, again, that's what I started to do in terms of creating the vision is look at, I know what has helped me along the way. How can I then turn back around and give that to students in a way that did not suffocate them with tradition, um, at least the kinds of traditional things, you know, such as, you know, religion. I have a strong um, religious, quote-unquote, background, and so a lot of my very impactful and significant moments as a youth came from that experience, and Mm -hmm. I knew with working with federal programs that a lot of that had to be shored, and a lot of that had to be... um, I'm going to use one of your terms, comb through, so to so uh, Right. And so I had to figure out how to be able to deliver my impact and my influence within my personality, within the regulations, mm. and then with my experiences of working with youth and what worked for me as a youth, how to package that within the confines of our program and articulate it to staff right. so that we can build from there. Um, so... I guess if I had to just answer you directly, man, my vision was to give students the opportunity, not just for education, but really tapping into knowing themselves. One of the things that I would often promote was a heuristic approach to learning, which Mm. is self-discovery. So allowing students to be able to self-discover what it is that makes them tick, Mm. what it is that inspires them, and then connecting what services that we have to give them a space to grow. Does oh, that, that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. I think that's very wonderful. I think uh, with my experiences already with working with uh, Colorado State and uh, with Eastern, that's been a brand, not a brand new movement. It's been a movement that's been kind of growing and growing and getting louder. It's that whole approach to the student. How do we best serve the student? And I feel like your vision was uh, always trying to look ahead and trying to go into that into that approach. Um, because I feel like uh, while working with Upward Bound and working with other trio programs, it was almost reactionary, right? That we needed to uh, keep, have students ready for tests, have students re- ready for math, English, science. But with your vision, it felt different. And I think for me, when we started out, that kind of spooked me a little bit. Like, what is this? What, what do you mean serving the whole student? What does that mean? <laughs> Juan, if I could say this, what's so interesting about when you and I have conversations uh, regarding my leadership or the style and my approach um, to serving the students, these conversations do very well for me because I forget at 
times, like, where did this start from? You know, where, mm-hmm. where was I inspired with this? You know, many times, even when I interviewed you um, for Old Souls. Oh, yeah. It's, it's strange when, when you have questions, explicit questions that are asked about something that you mm-hmm. usually take for granted. Mm-hmm. When you have to really think about, well, you know, what really, what inspired me? And when you think about to those pivotal points, it's a reflective moment like, yeah, like, yeah, that's mm, yeah, yeah. That's and so, anyway, that's somewhat your response about the whole student is dovetailed into where I am currently working with students, and we'll probably get into some of the um, integral approach um, in terms of the model that our current university or the current university that I work for, uh, the integral approach that we use to serve the whole student, so to speak. So, anyway, amazing. I just want to make- no, no, that's that's again amazing work. Um, just to kind of throw it back a little bit, Rod, uh, we started off kind of in the professional realm. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your experience as a trio student uh, att- attending Eastern New Mexico University. Uh, talk a little bit about that, and um, just anything you'd like to share on that. Okay. Well, my first. Excuse me, I'm just chewing ice, and I'm. I'm no. <laughs> We'll find ways to edit that out, so you're fine. <laughs> okay, so my, I'm actually going to go back, way back, just because um, I like to highlight how my life has 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 um, dealt with cycles. Mm-hmm. And so the first time I heard about a upward bound program, it was upward bound. Excuse me, a trio program. It was upward bound. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom's client was and is a director for multiple trio programs now at UT Arlington. And um, she was one of the first individuals that introduced my older sister and I to Upper Bound. But because we were involved in many sports, I was involved in many sports, was working a job in high school, blah, 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 blah. Um, I didn't know much about Upper Bound at the time besides it was a college prep program and that it was going to take my summertime. And I was like, uh, that ain't happening because I got a train during the summer. I just can't afford right. to do that. But anyway, so that was the first time I, I heard of Trio, but it wasn't until college at Eastern New Mexico University in Portales, New Mexico, that I was enrolled in student support services and didn't really make the connection that it was a trio program until much later. Mm-hmm. But my experience working in or being a part of or, or a participant of SSS, Student Support Services, was a big turning point for me in many ways, but I'll at least start as a student. It gave me an environment of support that was needed and didn't really know that it was needed. You know, you talk about tutoring services, you talk about scholarships, you talk about just the camaraderie that you build in that kind of program with kind of a, a big brother, big sister program where older students are helping younger students to acclimate to college mm-hmm. and just to be there for the do's and don'ts and the things you don't even expect being a, a, a student. Um, Alicia Polanco was one of my mentors when I arrived at Eastern she was actually working on her graduate program in the counseling uh, program Mm -hmm. and she was just an incredible mentor man that just helped me with my writing and helped me with 
deciding on degrees and, you know, to have career, uh, what is it, the career services, uh, student, not student career, what was, I'm trying to think of Sue being um, like a career counselor. I, I forget some of the titles because they changed over the years, but being able to have access to career guidance mm-hmm. was, it was just pivotal because I changed my degree about three or four times and being able to see what was the best transition for me after taking the personality assessments and the Myers-Briggs and the career inventories, all those things just really helped me to have a leg up in terms of my college career in many different ways. So I'll answer like that before I plow it too much. So that's, that has been SSS was the foundation for my actual trio experience and it really became pivotal, not just for my academic experience, but for my professional experience, because not only was I a participant, I ended up working for them as a student, mm-hmm. uh, as a peer mentor, and then later on became a coordinator, a mentor coordinator for the program, and then later on became the director for Upper Bound. So right all of that experience coming through SSS started as a participant. Mm. Very good. Very good. Uh, and... It was much later, uh, after you had completed your degree, you went on to work professionally for Student Support Services. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences as a staff member as you transitioned from student to staff member? Sure. You know, and and really, it wasn't even much later, believe it or not. I graduated with my undergrad May of 2007. Well, you and I both graduated with our undergrad of May of 2007, and I stayed around in New Mexico, as I, as I usually did during the summers, mm-hmm. and I did a study work position. Um, I continued my path working as a peer mentor. Mm-hmm. I worked as a peer mentor for four years. So I started in 2003 and oh, wow. ended my time, if you will, mm-hmm. with um, SSS as a mentor, July or August of 2007. And so I immediately enrolled into the graduate program, communications program, um, in the fall semester of 2007. Did one full semester as a graduate student. That December, November of 2007, I interviewed for the coordinator's position. And then got hired at the end of November or beginning of December. And as soon as I completed my first semester of graduate school, I became the coordinator. And... It, during the summer, I was already starting to get semi-prepped to, to start working as a coordinator because I became like a senior mentor for the upcoming mentors. And so my director, Rita Neal, at the time started giving me just a little bit more responsibility to help kind of facilitate some of the younger mentors. So when I became a coordinator, obviously my role expanded. However, I wasn't as shook, if you will, because Mm -hmm. of my roles as a mentor, a peer mentor. Mm -hmm. But that experience experience really gave me a... It it gave me an expanded view of how to implement programming and then all of the work that's involved with building the programs or your workshops or providing the services. Yes, the director's role is much more girthier, but in terms of being the front person 
to deliver the services, oftentimes it is the coordinator. Mm -hmm. And so as a coordinator, I, I went through having two to three mentors all the way to having like 20 or 25 mentors at one time. Oh. And because our programs served up to, I think, what, two or 300 students every year or whatnot, mm -hmm. we didn't always make contact with all 300. However, there were a lot of students that needed to be served and being the person that was the driving force to make sure that your mentees or your mentors were making contacts with their students and then mentoring them and then having your own set of students that you were mentoring. Um, it, you know, it, it was a lot of work and it really let me know the importance of having a good team. Um, I know I started off with talking about a dream team, so to speak, mm -hmm. but I'll say during my time or tenure as a coordinator, I realized the importance of having co-workers who not only shared your vision, but had some basic good work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's, uh, I found that, uh, just uh, as you had said, when we're looking at a dream team or even uh, just people that can share the vision and share that vision and be able to execute uh, working already uh, professionally for several years, we've always kind of, I've, I felt like I've always tried to seek that, find that common vision. And so long as we have a common vision and we're able to execute, um, it didn't matter if I was uh, um, subordinate to the position or if I was director, it was so long as we had a shared vision and we can execute, that was important. Wow. Wow. So, um, with with all that said, Rod, uh, you've moved on. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? That uh, anything that you'd like to share with the audience uh, about what you're doing now, or even um, how you what have you been doing to continue pushing uh, this kind of holistic service to students or a heuristic, if you will. Okay, that's a big question. That is a big question. <laughs> And, dude, this is crazy, Juan, because I'm used to us, like, having this dialogue where we're both sharing each other's, mm -hmm. we're sharing space to talk, and I'm not, like, just having these long monologues. Right. <laughs> I know, it's, it's, podcasts are kind of awkward in that I have to give you the space to talk, because my, one of my critiques were, allow the interviewee to talk. So I had to like right. mute myself and give space to the to the interviewee. I I totally agree, and I run into the same issues during my <laughs> interview. I start feeling like, okay, am I letting them talk too much? Okay, am I talking too much? You mm -hmm. know, so mm -hmm. I I get it. But thank you um, for the space. Oh, absolutely, just, absolutely. Um. Okay. So what am I doing now? Yes. Let me say, firstly, I am. I'm in a transition. Okay. Um, let me give you what I do currently, and then I will break all that down, what I mean by that. I am currently working as a... Um, I'm currently working as a tour... Um, not a tour guide. Lord have mercy. Sorry, I just had a message that came through from my... Oh, no, you're students, okay. Actually. Uh, I am working as a tour administrator for a company that I helped to co-found called NL30. Uh, it is a company that is out of China. 
Um, okay, Rod, wow. I'll give you backstories and all of that. Sure. The while, but I, like I said, currently I'm working as a tour administrator. Well, I do a lot of the, um, the management administrative work to help get the company up and moving, as well as with other things, because it is a startup company and we've been in existence for a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one has to wear many hats. And so, um, in, in conjunction with that, I'm also doing some side business as a English teacher where I do some, uh, some, uh, teaching, helping to correct communicative English with, uh, oh, right on. ESL learners prior to starting or uh, co-founded the tour company. I worked as an ESL instructor for a company called EF or education first for about two years. Um, Again, I'll give more backstory there. I also do some personal training. Um, and then on top of that, I'm also working now for UTA's Summer Upper Bound program. I'm helping to do work as a summer coordinator for their summer program. So I'll be doing a few things to help them um, manage their summer six-week program. Right on. And I have some things that I'm providing on my website, some different services that I'm doing. So there's a lot that I'm doing. There's a there's a whole lot that I'm doing. <laughs> so um, we can go into more explicit as I'll let you you guide me there. Yeah, no, it sounds like you're wearing multiple hats at the moment, and uh, you have really truly emerged as a leader in uh, a lot of. The, the leadership roles in here, and I'm going to say this kind of raw, but filter it out for me as, as I go. But you've been able to implement yourself into various roles that require leadership and that require um, to, to allow you to, to be an advocate of sorts to, to others as well. Uh, yeah, and I forgot that I'm also working for the university that I'm attending online. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a university called Ubiquity University. So I've been working with them. Um, as an online course facilitator and also doing some things with their mentoring uh, called Self Mastery uh, for about two years as well. So, right on, Rod. Awesome. Yeah, but, but, but to respond to this last statement you made, yes, a lot of my current roles deal with leadership. And this is where we come back to the ideas of integral mm-hmm. and really having to take an integral approach in the many capacities that I take. Mm-hmm. Um, let me segue and, and say that the school that I'm currently enrolled in, uh, as I'm working on my PhD as well, but the school that I'm enrolled in, one of the emphasis is actually called Wisdom School, but it's a part, it's an affiliate of Ubiquity University. But it's the first global university um, giving students from around the world um, access to higher education from wow. certifications to an undergrad master's all the way up to doctoral level amazing but the emphasis in this school pretty much is to take an integral approach you're taking the best practices within all the the known cultures mm-hmm. and you're learning how to bring the best of those cultures into your individual respective worlds right on. And so there's a lot of uh, theoretical practices that go behind that as well. Ken Wilber, uh, the modern day Ken Wilber, is a philosopher, a pretty well known American philosopher, modern day philosopher, who have developed many different theoretical approaches to how to integrate 
all these kind of best practices mm-hmm. from a very global perspective. And so that's a very wow. broad way for me to put it, but it deals with a lot of what I'm doing currently. I mean, it, it just ended up being a, a great fit into taking this very planetary, very wide and broad approach into having the kinds of language that's needed, having the kinds of resources that are needed to, you know, to try, not try, but to manifest this very big vision, so to speak. Um, All that to say that within, I'm seeing how that model, that framework has influenced a lot of what I'm currently doing and what I have done. The reason why I made it a point to acknowledge the fact that you pointed out me taking this holistic approach to how I serve students or how I was serving students and, and how I was creating a vision that seemed to appeal to the whole student. Mm-hmm. This current experience, again, has provided me the kinds of resources and the language that I need at this level to be more strategic in my approach mm-hmm. of serving the whole student. Well, right on. I feel like Trio has really helped shape that vision as you started and now branching out, you've allowed it to become uh, a universal trio thing. Mm. You don't be answering that like that. Absolutely. You know, just to, sorry, did you want to say something? No, no, I didn't have anything. used to be the one that's interviewing people. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. We switched roles. No, 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 no. This is good. This this is good because, like, I want to take these breaks like, oh, I'm talking too much. Give it back to one. Let him talk. So. No, no. I'm I'm the host over here. So you're the one doing all the talking right now. (laughs) I wanted to just say, man, the influence that Trio has had in bringing me here. Mm. You know, we've had many of these kinds of conversations of, we go to the conferences, the trio conferences, whether oh, yeah. it's the state conferences or the SWASAP conferences, well, our region with SWASAP. We go to these conferences and we hear these dynamic and amazing alumni of trio and just get inspired in such an incredible way. And to bring up Dr. Mitchum, who represented such i mean him and his team but just using him as the model of trio mm-hmm. that you have this individual who has represented so much over so many decades and have impacted so many students and mm-hmm. staff mm-hmm. over decades you come into this whole environment and you are just mesmerized to a degree of these educated minorities who are making incredible impacts within the local community all the way to the national communities working in D.C. and lobbying and teaching us how to lobby and making us aware politically and letting us know our place as TRIO programs that mm-hmm. that whole experience does something to the individual. It does, because yeah. When you take your first experience, for me, when I took my first experience going to D.C. by way of TRIO, walking across Capitol Hill and going through the workshops on how to um, we didn't use the word lobbying. What did we use to talk about us going to our representatives? Because of course we couldn't use that using federal funds. Right. We had lobby. But I forget the term that was used but being able to go through these kinds of workshops and be advocates for mm-hmm. our students mm-hmm. from a political aspect that 
created this shift in me as an individual to understand self as an individual. How did I fit in this very large movement that's been in place years before I was even born on this earth? Mm-hmm. This trio movement was was moving, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, yes, when we talk about an integral approach and we talk about what I'm doing currently, trio has been such an intricate part of that, man, such an incredible way. I can go on and 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 on. So anyway, I just struck a nerve there. I just wanted to second that, yes, Trio has been a great part of that experience. Right on, right on. And I'm glad to hear it, Rod. I think what a lot of people, a lot of former staff and former Trio people, when they go off and do their own thing or they go off and work for a different department, they still have that uh, air of trio with them. That's They still have that uh, heart of service as they move forward. Uh, one thing that I've noticed, I know for, for me, was that that compassion and the, the want to help and assist is uh, still there. So I had to get a position that was, so long as I was helping a student, so long as I was getting involved with their development, the student development part, that I would, I would be okay and I would be happy doing that position. Um, nice. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I fully agree with you. I think the conferences, um, and this is, I'm going to share a quick kind of side note. So I, I went to the Nakata Region 10 conference this past week and uh, at uh, Midway, Utah. And the oh, differences yeah. between the TRIO conferences and Nakata conference, the Nakata conference is really more geared toward advisors and advising practices, was uh, one, worlds apart. Right. Because we have students that uh, in, in trio that are first generation, low income and serving those students and re- the, the focus really being their advocate uh, versus the Nakata conference, where I felt it still did that. But it was more talking about uh, being the best advisor you can be. Right. And each conference had its own approach and its own uh, way of uh, serving the educator, which is a trio staff member or the, the advisor as an educator. Uh, but being in a unique role as a success coach was, it had me step back and say, okay, wh- these best practices, are they best served for the student, the advisor, the coach, or is it kind of both? And can we do both where we're, we're, we're practicing self care for the coach or the advisor and still helping the student uh, develop them and helping them grow. If that makes any sense, I felt like I was rambling for a second. No, no, no. It, it, it makes sense in that I know it's not conclusive. Or at least I don't feel like you've, you've come to a conclusion about no. your ability to step back. But the way that you described your reflective moment made sense to me. That was clear to me. And that's, that's quite deep. In that comparison, um, I'm, I'm very curious as to the missing elements. And I think I can probably yeah. presume what some of those missing elements are, but I'm going to let you talk and fill in the blanks instead of me. I will have to put that conversation on pause because I'm still trying to figure all of that out. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Rod, um, everything we've been talking about so far, uh, TRIO programs, uh, where do you see the, the future for TRIO programs as far as uh, they are now and looking maybe a year, two years, five years from now, do you see changes? Do you see um, a new wave coming for TRIO programs? What, what do you see in the future? You know, Juan, that's a great question. And I'm going to be honest, I, I, pro- 
probably have to not on <laughs> I feel like I've been as direct and explicit in, in my previous statements. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been I've been able to answer you in some pretty explicit ways, but this oh, of question course, yeah. I'm gonna to preface it like this mm-hmm. that there's probably gonna be a lot of abstractness in my answers. Okay. For these particular reasons. Yes, I'm currently helping with an upper bound program and I'm getting back into the trio climate. However, being away from trio professionally for the last five years, five plus years, Mm -hmm. there's been a lot that have transpired Mm -hmm. that I feel like I'm having to catch up on. Mm. And one of those things being the political changes that have happened at the beginning of last year, mm-hmm. um, when we, of course, you know, we have a new president in place mm-hmm. that as much as even you and I talked about not wanting to make this a political conversation, TRIO itself is extremely political. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the things I'll touch on um, that I was thinking about when you were talking about the, not necessarily missing pieces, that was just the language that I used. But one of the things I want to bring up as you were talking, when we attend conferences, trio for the professional staff, and you know, we cultivate this within our student body as well, but it's not a self serving oh, no. institution or, right. or career that right. this is not sit on your butt and just do your regular job. We were strongly encouraged to make the contacts to our state mm-hmm. representatives, things that I've never did before my life as a child as a child as an adult I never did those things but trio provided the fulcrum and, mm-hmm. and provided the encouragement and the know-how to to be a, a, an active um, advocate for our students and so mm-hmm. i sound like to say that trio within itself is extremely political in its approach because we're dealing with federal funds absolutely yeah. when we talk about the political shifts the literal shifts that have happened within our country you cannot help but talk about how that has made an impact on trio Mm -hmm. and because of all of the issues with race the issues with classism the issues the teen issues with education Mm -hmm. all those things as much as we don't want to talk about those things at times they have to be because we still deal with the problems of a large gap of individual students who do not have an education Mm -hmm. or when they get an education that's so far behind majorities there's something, you know, because this is our passion, so I get really passionate about this. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, go, go, go. Uh, because when I think about TRIO for the future, there's the two worlds of, of me that says there's always a need for a TRIO program. Mm-hmm. But having to face the reality of where our country is now and the kinds of rhetoric that is spewed across the masses, the mass media, about minority groups, about the poor groups oh, sure, in, yeah. our, in our country, mm-hmm. you often wonder, how long will a TRIO program be funded? Mm-hmm. And that is, that mm-hmm. is, and that has, that, that's not a new, that's not a new coming to a new revelation. Mm-hmm. Every administration has been impacted and has been cut and has been, you know, the fight and the battle, so to speak, has always been there with trio programs and protecting yeah. the 
those funds. Mm-hmm. But moving forward, I'll be very honest with you. I, I don't know. I, 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 okay. I know that there's always a need for trio programs. And I think the more that we see the high school shootings mm. that we can't get away from, seeing to shake, when we're still seeing idiots in the street fighting still because of racial problems. Mm-hmm. And that's on both ends. That's on all ends. Mm-hmm. It's 2018. And so I know that you started the question about is there a need for TRIO and what's the vision that I see for TRIO. Mm-hmm. And I share these experiences to say a big, yes, there's a need. If, if for anything else to be able to have another resource to bring people together, students together, right. and bring them into an educational environment so that as they are talking in the streets and mm-hmm. as they are being educated at home, mm-hmm. sometimes with with the worst intention, maybe the best intentions to say, hey, we need to educate our kids at home on how to protect themselves in the streets, we still need to bring some balance, some people with some sense of course. to say, hey, we realize the dynamics of our country right now and we realize the dynamics of our communities, but this is, there are other ways that you can approach dealing with violence Absolutely. and dealing with mistreatment. Absolutely. Here are some educated ways and approaches to, to tackle these issues and to talk to your representatives and to tell them the need of a resource and a place to come to so that you're not caught up into the situations that could easily be on the next six o'clock news. Right. And, you know, so on and on and on. I'm going a bit on, on a soapbox, but again, I warned you. I, pre- I preface yes. this in <laughs> abstract ways because there's still a lot of things that I'm processing about my experience being back in the States at this moment. And how do I want to filter that mm-hmm. and educate students during this summer program? Because I know they're in the thicket of it, yeah. because they're in the school systems. And I know that you know as well as I know in the high schools. Yes, there's, you have teachers that are there. You have the administration that is there. But high school, man, you know that that's where the rubber meets the ground in terms yeah. of where students are building their personalities. Mm-hmm. They are coming into their own, and bullying is still a very much part of that process violence is still a, a very strong component of that process them coming to terms with very uneducated opinions about life and unfiltered understandings about a variety of situations race being one of those things education being one of those things all those things come into confrontation when these kids are in high school or when they're in junior high but especially in high school because this is where they're right in that frail position of being an, uh, a child. Mm-hmm. And yes, we could say even as, as a graduate, they're still children. But from a societal aspect, they're in that strange zone where they are coming up to a point where that, yes, they're being respected as children or being acknowledged as children. But very shortly, they are going to be considered as adults. Right. And when we bring these adults who are coming to this community of going back into their communities without the structures of, of some kind of educational component to help guide them along the way, mm-hmm. you, you have straight concerns. You have concerns. Oh, I'm just talking, 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 talking. You better make sure you edit this one because I, I feel like I'm, I will. 
I'm having word vomit, but I'm I'm saying a lot without a lot of organization. No, and, I, I hear you. I'm not, I'm not apologetic for it. But oh I'm no, I don't want you to be. Find a way to. I'm trying to find a way to make it conclusive, but I don't have the. I, I can't right now. No, that's that's perfectly fine, Rod. I think the the main point here, I think you brought us to, is there still will always be a need for trio, especially when yeah. it comes to diversity, addressing diversity, and allowing people to work together to address racial issues. Uh, that's the meat of the conversation that I got. Yes. Awesome. Yes. And, yeah, as much as I would hate, as much, not I would, as much as I hate to keep bringing up the race issue, one, mm. it's just been my experience coming back to the States. And I wish that that wasn't my experience, and I wish mm. that that wasn't my emphasis but the truth of the matter is, I can't change it. I have to be able to be a mirror. Let me put it like this. I can't change the decisions that people have made to prioritize that um, in my conversations, especially within the context of demonstrating the need for a trio program, which was built during the civil rights movements that today we're still dealing with civil rights movements and civil mm -hmm. rights issues mm -hmm. that may not necessarily be directly related to education, but it is directly related to education. It really is, yeah. Absolutely. All right, Radwell, I am out of interview questions. Uh, is there any... <laughs> I really am. You, you, you hit that last question out of the ballpark. I feel like you did a really good job expanding and giving us a real good thought. Uh, do you want to have any closing thoughts for yourself or as oh we gosh. wrap up this portion of the podcast? Uh, you know, <laughs> you know um, I don't have to necessarily prove this to you, but I just feel compelled to say it for my own. Yeah, go for it. You know, I understand the the logic that, bego that goes behind demonstrating needs for your programs and the intensive work that goes behind writing your grants. Mm. And in my hearts of heart, I wish I could have been more logical in my approach to talk about the needs of the program from that point. Mm -hmm. um, but I think being able to just hit it what people are mm. and and hit it in a way that that's authentic to my experience at this point in my life i am concerned about trio and and i say trio but it's not necessarily trio it's um it's all the programs that share the same nature mm. of trio um, one of the positives about TRIO-like programs, and TRIO in particular, is because TRIO has catalog. They have history, and they've been around for a while, even though we understand throughout the duration of many grant-funded programs, within these last, you know, especially with recessions, history don't mean much. Mm. You know, I mean, it does, but we've seen many programs that have been cut, who've had longevity and has been around for a while, um, but for whatever reason, education is one of those things. Whenever the country uh, or Congress decides budget cuts, education continues to be one of those arenas that continues to get cut. Um, 
military continues to get funded for whatever reason, and that's a, a conversation by itself. Mm-hmm. But I'll say that when we turn on our televisions, or I can't even say televisions anymore, when we channel into our YouTubes and our Hulus and all of the social medias that allow for us to connect to the real world, so to speak, in one of those realities, mm-hmm. we are confronted with very blunt, very brutal, very confrontational and unavoidable situations right. that tells us we are in need of trio-like programs. Absolutely. And so though I am concerned about the foolery of our leadership mm-hmm. and the unpredictability of what kinds of decisions will be made to further cut education that may directly impact TRIO programs. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I am, I am hopeful in this sense because we still have not made the kinds of leaps as a country that we need mm-hmm. educationally, socially, on and on and on. I'm glad to know that TRIO programs still exist to say, hey, TRIO, okay, so again, I am concerned with the foolery of our leadership, and I, I believe that that's, it's pretty self-explanatory on the possibilities of what could happen in terms of budget cut with federally funded programs like TRIO. However, I'm hopeful that TRIO has gone through several um, political transitions and was birthed out of a need for closing the educational gap. And I think now the term education is not not restricted to uh, just going to a post-secondary or going into um, taking it outside of just the institutional definition, right. but realizing that there is a social need for education. There you go. And socially, we need to be educated and socially we need to be engaged in a way that brings us together. And TRIO is one of those institutions that that provides all of that. Yes. Um, I would hope, this is one thing I will say as I'm going on, you can edit and cut out all this. Absolutely, yeah. I, I am, I do want to see TRIO start to expand out where we are not just a reactionary mm-hmm. program. We're, mm-hmm. we're not necessarily having to, uh, to wait for new policies to be released um, in order for us to move forward. That we're not just waiting for the expectation of STEM-related programs, science, technology, engineering, and math, but we are starting to increase our holistic approach because even when we restrict our student services, it emphasizes science, technology, engineering, and math. There's a whole host of other students who have gifts and talents that may not necessarily be restricted to the STEM-related programs, but are great contributors and will be great contributors to the shift and the change that's needed 
in our planetary growth. And so I would like to see TRIO programs start adopting more expanded views on how to deliver change in our society, not just from a community society, but really mm-hmm. connecting them with a global, global and local mentality that whatever their contributions are, are not just to serve their local community. Because yes, we are living in a hyper-complex society that's not restricted just to their zip code, but mm-hmm. it is around this planet. Absolutely. And so if I were to say one of the areas that I'd like to see TRIO programs expand even more is not only understand the, the dynamics of research and understand the institution that was, mm-hmm. but really start to take an initiative to branch out into areas that don't necessarily follow the paved path, but start looking at paths that are more planetary and that are more global and that are more cutting edge and that are beyond what's being required by the government or the federal department of education Mm -hmm. and start really expanding into how else can we serve the student in a more holistic way. I'm done. Sign off. (laughs) Well, Roderick, uh, just to wrap up this portion of the podcast, I want to thank you so much for being, uh, for having this conversation with me. I think uh, what you had to share is extremely valuable. Thank you, sir, for the platform. Absolutely. Maybe some of the things we talked about be much more refined, or maybe not. I'm still growing. I'm still understanding where I am, where we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Rod, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And now for my closing thoughts. Educational development is an important step for all students. TRIO programs have made great efforts to identify levels of support And I think it is important that we, as a public, to continue supporting those efforts. In my next episode, our guest will be Rebecca Scott, who is a TRIO alum from the Northeastern Oklahoma A&M College in Miami, Oklahoma. She is currently enrolled at the University of Arkansas. If you want to be a guest, please get in touch with me on Facebook. Message me and give me your details regarding if you're currently a student or if you're a former staff or if you are currently a staff member. I want to give my acknowledgments. I want to again acknowledge our special guest today, Mr. Roderick Chambers, who is also serving as our honorary co-host for Let's Talk Trio. I'd also like to give recognition to Scott Kendall, who is my tech supervisor and advisor. Also acknowledgement to bensound.com for providing royalty-free music. It is very much appreciated. If you are interested in being an underwriter in future episodes for Let's Talk Trio, you may also get in touch with me the same method. Um, go through Facebook, go to Let's Talk Trio, and send a message. Uh, underwriters have no financial obligation to be mentioned on the episode. So if you'd like your national organization or local organization to be recognized, we can do that here on the podcast. This is Juan Rivas. Thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk Trio. I will see you next week.